Welcome to episode 10 of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, Rob. Welcome back, Peter, and Mr. Casey Siddons. Make sure you spay new to your pets. <laughs> I have no, What was that? What did you just say? It was the Bob Barker line. Oh, I did. <laughs> threw you off there. <laughs> totally threw me off. That's what I try to do. Anyway, we are back. We got amazing feedback on episode nine with our big guest, Zaretta Hammond, uh, who brought in a lot of listeners and a lot of attention for Ed's Not Dead. And we have an equally big show in episode 10 today. We are going to be featuring Education Excellence again, right, fellas? Yes, we will. Produced by Michael Levin Epstein and Sue Semplis. Today we'll have on Lindsay Covert and Lisa DiBernardo. Lindsay Covert founded Teamology, which focuses on working with schools to develop students' social-emotional skills. So uh, we are looking forward to interviewing them and finding out about how they work with schools to build kids' character. Schools talk about it a lot, but they don't. Not, not a lot of work actually goes into doing it. No. It seems like something that would be nice if it happened yep. by, by itself. Yep. And, and I've always found that there aren't that many great resources out there for it. And Teamology, I think, has a system that they think works. So we're going to find out more about that today. Yes. And also an article in the New York Times that Mr. Krabs found about a different way to judge student outcomes in schools. Very intriguing. Very intriguing. Massive yeah. study at Stanford, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to have some trivia at the end of the show. I heard. And maybe Dear Betsy. Come Mr. on, Sins, don't you, cut me out. You got something good for Jeez. Dear Betsy? We have a, we have a top 10 Dear Betsy. That's right, top 10 yeah. for the year because it's the end of the year. Mr. Sins, you know what I think you should do? Could you find like uh, an anonymous source in the education department? We could get some dirt. <laughs> that would be awesome. That be a, leaker? Yeah. a leaker, a leaker. There's, there's yeah. leakers in every other. Oh, there's got to be. Agency prosecute those leakers. Yeah. And we are coming up. I should mention that episode ten will be our last episode before a winter break for us. That's right. So we can um, spend time with our friends and family and eat mm-hmm. too much and mm-hmm. enjoy the nice weather. Enjoy the nice weather. Snow today here. It, it did. Yep. And everybody lost their minds. <laughs> All right. So let's do our usual thing, which is you can find me on Twitter at RW Dodd, Mr. Krabs. Um at Peter Crable. And at CH Siddons. All right. All right. Let's get into show feedback. feedback. What do you hear? Uh and specifically as it relates to Lapis, last episode, episode nine, and um, the feedback we got on Zaretta. Well, on the that, the, having Zaretta on the, the show certainly upped our cred, if you will. Um, there's a lot of folks that hadn't been listening, and I think that pushed them to listen. And thankfully, they listened to that episode because compared to our first episode, it was, <laughs> you know, just better leagues above yeah. in terms of audio quality. We didn't yes. know what we were doing that first episode. Okay, what else did you hear? Andrew, an old friend of mine. Also known as Mr. Kaz on Kaz, Twitter. Kaz. At, at Mr. Kaz. At Mr. Kaz. Give, give at Mr. Kaz a follow. Yeah. Is it, is there, are there numbers after Cause? We'll find out later. I don't know. We'll find out later. <laughs> yeah. put the, I'll put that in the show notes as I usually do. <laughs> Mr. Cause 31. Okay. Oh. Yeah. 19, he was born in 1931. Okay. Um, no, so he said after listening to the Zaretta Hammond interview, uh, he said he was inspired to push his own students. He put it out on Twitter. He completely changed around some lesson plans. And after Zaretta talked about basically having a second language as being a superpower... He felt inspired and did some pretty cool lessons. You can check him out. He posted some of the screenshots on Twitter. He did uh, the Langston Langston Hughes poem I Too, yeah. and he had his students create each each of them created their own I Too poem. And uh, I think he was a little 
scared about it at first, not scared, but just hesitant about having kids who are learning a second language do that. He teaches U.S. history, and it's all it's like an ESOL inclusion program and uh, sheltered ESOL class. A sheltered ESOL yep. class. Yep. Um, and he said it was incredibly successful, and I don't know. He's just very excited about it. So, on a separate note, we had built this up a little bit. Um, but Robbie had a big date last week. Oh, that's right. December 7th. 1941. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it was like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh, my God. So Robbie presented or defended, I <laughs> guess. Is, yeah, defended, defended the disc. Defended the And uh, so, yeah, why don't you give us a little update as to how it went? Okay. <laughs> uh, it went... I noticed you've not said that we have to call you doctor yet. No, so. I, I have to admit I had had no I was I was looking forward to the introduction on the episode of That's <laughs> Not Dead where you guys had to refer I was actually gonna make you open the show so you had to introduce me as Dr. Robert Stodd. You know I won't ever do that, right? No. no. <laughs> anyway, um to answer your question, Mr. Krabs, it was a very challenging experience. Okay. I had a I have a dissertation committee of um Two PhDs and an EDD who um, are, you know, really bright, um, competent people, and they pushed me quite a bit. And um, I could tell pretty early into the defense that I was in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, uh, and I started. I thought at one point my ears were so red during the defense I was burning up. They asking you a lot of questions. Yeah, they started firing questions at me. Pretty. Did you get pretty pretty sweaty? I got a little shreddy, and um, and so there were three outcomes, three possible outcomes: one, pass with minor revisions; two, pass with major revisions; or three, not pass. And I passed with major revisions. Hmm. So, um, and this has to do with the your statistical analysis. Yes. Yep. I got a. I got a. I got a bone up on do a little more statistical analysis. Okay. Uh, have to take my survey items. I reported them as individual items. This is getting really deep it's into yeah. statistics. Um, Just tell us that you're going to do a better job. I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing. I am. I am. I am. And we look forward to calling oh, come on, you. Don't cut me off like that. Okay. Yeah. No, go ahead. We're listening. I called you about it. About you did. talking about. Both of you were very nice. Perseverance. Uh, and you left me alone for a little while because you, kn- you <laughs> knew that I was smarting. When I get the one-word one text message replies back from Robbie, yeah. I know that he's not in When the I mood. say, like, thanks. That's thanks. I know that's, <laughs> yeah. that was it. I was like, okay. Yeah. It was it – was, um, so at the end, when they kind of summarized for me what had just happened to me, um, I said, so do I walk out of here at the <laughs> <laughs> And my advisor looked at me and said, no. <laughs> Did you really say that? Yeah, that's what I said. I just needed to know. It wasn't clear. That's good to know. I was I was all ready to take my victory lap. Yeah, and yeah. That, that, would, that did not happen. So, um, so anyway, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. And I think the next level of work on my study of project success um, will uh, really be good for the research literature on middle schools. So. Yeah, thank you, and for, I, thank you for asking. And I would like to say that I wanted—I actually did want to want you to bring it up because I think it's important to talk about when you don't hit your goal, when you yep. don't perse- when you're persevering through a challenge, and it's good for people to hear that. Yep. It's not all cake and roses. That's great. It That's is right. not. So I had to—I had to tell myself, okay, I got the growth mindset. I got the growth mindset. <laughs> I'm not going to just totally pack it in. Um, so I've taken a little bit of time. I've taken this past week to kind of lick my wounds and. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back in the saddle here again soon and start my work. So awesome. We're excited to see the 
The revisions. And the revisions. And it will happen that you will have to call me Dr. Dodd. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> We're not all putting it on the stickers. Uh, all right. Any other feedback or comments on the show? We're good? Yeah? We're good. Okay. Everybody loves it. And still, um, shout out, Facebook shout out, Mr. Siddons, and giving us a rating. Yes. We would love your feedback. We're not getting feedback. No, they just love it. Okay. All right. So we're we're happy to read people's feedback on the show. So let us know what you <laughs> we think. We did it tonight. We showed it tonight. All right. So um, let's talk about, Mr. Krabs, this study you found. Yes. In the New York Times. It is pretty fascinating. So uh, it was in an article in the Times by Emily Badge and Kevin Queeley, a researcher from Stanford, Dr. Sean Reardon looked at a ridiculous amount of data. I, I, I had to read it over a couple times because my study included 500 kids. Uh, Dr. Reardon's study included 300 million kids. <laughs> so it was a very big study. Yeah. And basically the long and short of what he found was possibly school systems, the nation, were looking at student outcomes the wrong way. Correct? Yes. Um, so... He also found that in 11,000 different school districts, uh, his, his findings really tweak kind of conventional wisdom about student outcomes. And basically what he found was that, for example, a system like Chicago, uh, which is mostly poor kids, uh, is outperforming higher performing or no, not higher performing, but more affluent systems in other parts of the country. I think he used the example of third graders being behind in third grade. And then um, within five years, they've achieved six years of learning. Correct. Yes. Um, so wow. so somehow a, a, a huge district like Chicago has figured out how to kind of flatten that curve and speed up or accelerate kids learning. Whereas I think they cite in the study a system that we know about in Maryland called Anne Arundel County. Uh, kids start ahead, but they don't show near the growth. Right. Correct. They show over five years. They show less than five years of academic growth. All right. So, uh, Mr. Crapes, tell us what you think this is all about. Is, th is, this, is this a new way for us to be building accountability structures to... Uh, it, you know, it sure sounds like it because it starts with the premise of test scores don't tell the whole story. And I think that is a premise is a really good place to start because as we've talked about on the show, schools are, are much more nuanced than any one particular number um, that a test score might show. Right. And so many decisions are made from where people choose to live, send your kid to public school, send your kid to private school, move to this district, move to that district based on really more or less test scores and, you know, word of mouth as well. Right. You know, neighborhoods and what they say about their community school certainly plays a large, a large role in that as well. But for somebody like me, who's worked in schools where I feel like there is exceptional um, teaching, I feel like there's a lot of learning going on. But in that end, end sort of test result, we've not always seen um, the immediate catch up to more affluent schools. It's left me wondering why. What, what, why is this right. not showing? Are we being deficient in some way? Are we failing kids? So I think... But let me ask you this. Yeah. 
in in that in those situations, yes, you were mostly looking at the percentage of kids that hit one target. Yes, right. right? A yes. single like let's say the target was seventy five percent of kids will demonstrate proficiency in reading, and you were looking by subgroup and seeing gaps between the groups of kids, and so some groups weren't making it. Yes, correct, correct. But, but you didn't know how much they were growing. Uh, and and so, depending on what particular measure you're looking at, yeah, at times um, I have looked at growth, right. but it's the growth has not been over the course of five years. Mm-hmm. The the growth has been from like September to December, or right. September to the ensuing September. It's just a lot smaller, um, which this study in in the course of larger trend data really can take into account the five years. So to answer your question, I yeah I think it's really intriguing to look at well how much are kids learning over five years, just because that's the data that it was, but over a much larger amount of time, because that can really help to change the narrative about what is actually happening in, um, you know, quote, lower performing schools or however you want to look at them. Kids are actually learning more in a shorter amount of time. Right. Is it, do you think it's also because, or could it be stemming from the fact that some of of these particular students are starting out so far behind. And so well, they do have a lot more room to grow. And that's that's the next question that I had was, so it, this article in particular in the Times used um, Chicago as a test case. So yeah, the one question is, well, why are kids going into third grade already? I think they were two grade levels behind. Yeah. You know, so that certainly doesn't solve anything, you know, and raises another question. Um, but you know, at the very least they are, the gap is not widening. It is narrowing. They're still on average, not up to grade level of more affluent, but they're catching up, but they're catching up. They're catching up. So let me ask you, so let me ask you to this. Yes. If you had a school that was, um, that had students that were, let's say majority from low SES backgrounds and, uh, they were at 20% of kids in third grade or let's say fifth grade, hitting a literacy benchmark. Um, And then they went from 20% to 40%. An affluent school goes from, I don't know, 70% 70 to 75%. 40 doesn't sound very good. No, it doesn't. But it's, it's a big jump. Yeah. And the growth in the, in the more affluent school was not as significant. Right. So, I mean that—that's to me what this kind of says, right? Is that um, the end result, the outcome might not look great. In other words, you could be in the 40s or 50s or 60s compared to schools that are in the 80s or 90s, but the kids have grown a lot. Do you think there's also a, a, an inordinate amount of pressure on less affluent schools for just really effective teaching, even if you have such a high turnover? You get in there, you get in those schools and you're just pushed to the brink because you're working so hard to to push kids. Whereas maybe in a more affluent school, you can be a little more complacent as a teacher. Oh, I think you answered your own question. Yes, I think. I wouldn't describe it as inordinate, however. I mean, that was the particular word that you used. I would say an inordinate amount of pressure to to move kids and to get kids to learn. Yeah, I would say a, a necessary amount of pressure. I mean, if you work in a school where kids are multiple grade levels behind and you don't feel the need and the urgency that they need to learn today. Go, Mr. Krabs. Yes, my high horse. <laughs> Inordinate was, it, uh, was not the It was a good word. I like I like use. it. I like it. I think what I, I guess we're, harkens back to our previous show, which was about teacher turnover and 
and being in a high impact school. Cheating. cheating. I mean, it can be inordinate. Yeah. In that it can, it, it, sure. it, it, the pressure it, it, becomes, and, and we've all been there where you get those scores back and it's defeating. All right. So, but back to this. Um, is this a better way to gauge the success or the quality of school systems? Because I know in uh, the article in the Times, Mr. Krabs, one of your pet peeves is parents that get on websites and judge schools. <laughs> By test scores, test scores that usually show what I described, the percentage of kids that hit one benchmark, right? They yep. don't really show growth. No, right. it's, it's not a nuanced picture. Right. So in, in a way, th- this sounds like something that um, something that should be embraced. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I kind of jotted down was what – so what are the downsides? And you guys just brought up one was maybe undue pressure, which leads to cheating or right. you know, score erasures or whatever – um, I mean, but are there what what are the other downsides of looking at kid growth over protracted amount of time in order to judge schools? Are there any? I don't think so. I mean, that would be, if you be if you no. if you were to pick a school system like Chicago Public Schools, I would say that they're they've been downtrodden for quite some time. And I think if you can find something like this that actually shows that they are growing and they are doing good things. They need good press, and they deserve good press because they're doing good work on behalf of kids. Yeah, and it's interesting. They say in the article that um, that for some reason the public and even educators themselves seem loath to give to give credit where credit is due. When there are success stories, when there are now. success stories, and and I mean, I think that draws into question some of the bias that that exists with uh, poor kids and and also kids of color that um, why, why are we not going out of our way to, to recognize that good work when it's, when it's there? Well, it's not a coincidence that it is a majority minority school system. Yes. Yeah. When I, and you know, to your point though, Robbie, I mean, I confess that I, the same, I had the same thought process. I mean, I wrote down, is this just a way to make poorly performing school districts feel better about themselves? You know, is it, is it a fancy data analysis that somehow um, makes schools that are – and this is school systems. So school systems feel better when maybe there really aren't that great of stuff going on, you but know, it, just but, to be a, to kind of the cynical – But I don't think – But don't, at that, data, that data says that they're above grade level. Right. I, no, it no, no, no. It, it says they, they learn more than the years that they're in yeah, school. Yeah. So if, oh, I thought so, I, okay. So it doesn't compare it to a specific grade level benchmark, no, but just that they're learning more in the same amount of time. Oh, uh, okay. They're starting behind, and then they they basically, uh, I'd like to think of it in terms of that Chicago City Schools have added value. Yes. In other words, they've added like let's say an dangerous term. It is a dangerous term. I'm not talking about teacher evaluation. Yes, they've added yes. value to these kids' learning. Yeah. For every year that they're in the classroom, Correct. they're learning 1.2 years or, you know. I, I don't see it as an either-or proposition. I mean, I think in education we speak in these terms of it's either this or this. I think in a good monitoring system, you'd probably have both. You'd have metrics that measure growth. And you'd also have grade-level standards or some kinds of standards where you'd say we want all kids here. Right. I mean, that's how you – you know that's how you know that kids are behind in the first place, right? Because yeah. you have standards. Yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's a I think it's an equitable way to to judge growth. Um, let me just hit you with a few of the highest growth rates systems. Please do. City of Chicago, six years in five years of schooling. Impressive. 
Uh, the other end of the spectrum, Rochester City School District, school district 2.9 years mm. in five years of schooling. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Ooh. Um, Montgomery, County, uh, Montgomery County, Alabama, three years and five years of schooling. Um, Doug Jones is going to do something about that. He sure is. Yeah. <laughs> we hope. Uh, I'm not sure Roy Moore would have been that concerned. <laughs> uh, and then another big one was um, Seattle Public Schools, 5.7 years in five years of schooling. So those are real success stories. Now, this, the, the key is, and we'll leave this for another episode, is what's in the black box? What are they doing? How are they making it happen? Um, we, we know the inputs and we know the outputs. What happened in between, right? What happened in that five years of schooling that flattened the, the curve there? They're, ma- they're making people come up with graduation plans. That's what, that's what increased their scores. Dead, hey, dead hey. fish wrong. Well, we <laughs> did talk about dead that. Fish. I forgot. That's right. We started. <laughs> that was episode one. Episode one, dead fish wrong. Yeah, we started right. a revolution, man. Yeah, we did. That, well, Rom, Rom is Rom is very interested in education. What were we going to say? That first episode title, "Roming It Through." Roming it. That was your line. <laughs> that was good. No, I just had to. I just remember that we talked about it. Nothing. I, nothing I, more. I think we should try to get Doctor Reardon on this show. Yeah, I would love to hear him talk in an informed way, unlike us. Yeah, about like get study. really into nerdy yeah. stats and. Yeah inputs and all that stuff yeah. and you, you you grew up with somebody that went to stanford so you can i relate. did yeah. yeah okay all right boys when we come back we will have our interview with Lindsay covert and lisa di bernardo from teamology we're gonna find out all about social emotional learning don't go away folks we'll be right back We are very excited to be joined today by Lindsay Covert and Lisa DiBernardo. They are experts, fellas, on SEL education. So let's jump right in. You ready? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Hi, hi Lindsay. Hi, Lisa. How are you guys doing? Hey, guys. Doing well. Doing great. Thanks. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you so much for coming on Ed's Not Dead. So let's jump in. This is a very timely topic in schools these days. I see um, SEL in one form or another being focused on in the schools that I work with. So if you'd start us off by telling us a little bit about teamology, uh, the teamology movement, what is it all about so our listeners can know more about it? Right. So teamology is a company that um, I formed uh, about a year and a half ago. I'm a former counselor and uh, teacher, as, as uh, mentioned. And, um, you know, I had years of experience with kids and early on actually right out of graduate school I saw a, a really big need for um, a better understanding of, of how to engage students and really talk to students without uh, losing them and, and really focusing on what we will eventually talk about six foundations um, that I felt were important to connect to the students so that they could be learning not only about SEL but character development, career education, anti-bullying, and all of, bringing all these things together. Um, so I, I actually self-piloted for years in the schools and then partnered with Penn State University to do some research um, for the last handful of years, and, and now we have this company that we're able to actually work and, uh, and start to grow and, and impact schools uh, on a significant level. So the teamology movement was born. Awesome. So let's. you talked about the six foundations, so let's jump into SEL 
for our listeners, uh, I think it'd be a good to start off with really defining it. So how would you define social, emotional and character skills and why would you say it's important in today's schools? Sure. So the short answer is SEL is the ability for students to understand and manage their emotions. So examples might be um, the ability to show empathy and establish and maintain positive relationships. Um, and then you can go into and talk a little bit, you know, branch out into character development, which is, you know, requires efforts to build and strengthen a student's character. Um, and through decades of research, we've basically been able to boil down um, the six, and I'm going to emphasize this, interconnected, uh, what we call foundations or really important life skills that are really essential to this. So we focus on helping others, positive change, anti-bullying, problem solving, resiliency, and leadership. And all of these are foundational skills that help students be successful in school and then beyond in their future careers. And interestingly enough, we know that employers are actually seeking these same soft skills and complaining that students are not prepared and ready when they're coming out of uh, high school and college with these specific SEL character development type skills. One of the things that we all know is that obviously teachers have quite a bit going on. Um, and I think, you know, if you ask teachers, they may be like, oh, I don't have time for this and my curriculum and kind of all that other stuff. So you talk about the six foundations. So is it easy and how can they in- integrate some of those, like you said, softer skills that are actually in demand? How can they integrate that into um, what they're already doing in the classroom? Sure. So so like you said, teachers do, do seem to have more and more on their plate these days. And it does seem um, to them that they have less and less time to do it because they're being asked so much. So teamology actually uses six relatable characters to represent the, the foundations that Lindsay was talking about. Uh, we have each one of our found, each one of our characters has a symbol um, to help the students understand the foundation on a deeper level and really connect with that foundation. So we have Harper and her heart who represents helping others. Paco with his light bulb who represents positive change. Amelia with her peace sign who represents anti-bullying. Fila with his puzzle piece who represents problem solving. Ruby with her bouncy ball, who represents resiliency, and Lamar with his muscle and his tie that represents leadership. So students are drawn towards these characters, and they really want to be like the characters. Um, So these characters enable teachers to then integrate these important concepts into their daily teachings and have students interested in paying attention. So we're not adding anything more to the the teacher's plate. Um, We're actually making what they have to do easier. And I I like how you have the the symbols, I think, create a different... Uh, a different mode for students to learn about these SEL, these soft skills, because it, it makes it a little more relatable. So the the question that I'm I'm thinking about is the way that you teach these soft skills, the way that you work with students on these soft skills, obviously differs from elementary to the secondary level. How do you differentiate the 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 learning that you provide for kids in in those two levels? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So um, I was just talking about the symbols with our with our characters, and those are primarily used with our elementary students. It helps the students understand those foundational concepts on a deeper level. Like they can relate to a heart. They get that a heart means kindness and caring and right. helping. Um, whereas in middle school, this, they don't they don't need that so much. But what we do is we go further with each of the foundations. So when you're talking about helping others. They're, they're learning, you know, they've learned about empathy and that, but they're starting to learn about altruism and volunteering. So we go deeper with each of the foundations right. because that's in middle school what they need. 
um, they need to, to understand these things on a deeper level. So we're expanding each one of our foundations to meet the needs of the kids as they, as they get older. We do still use the characters as the students get older, but they, you know, they are more, the, the characters grow with the students. So they're, the characters are more mature looking. Um, we don't really focus on the symbols as much anymore. Even though they have them, it's not as much of a focus. And, and you mentioned the research aspect of it. And, and looking at your website, it's clear that there's been an incredible amount of work that, you've, that your team has put into this and, and to making it relatable and to making it work for kids. What, what, what does your research say and what does the research say about how these skills impact students and their learning? Because it, it, we know it's important, but I feel like all the schools that we can we, we go into or, or we visit, it's it's focused on curriculum and content. It's focused on curriculum and content day after day after day because they say they don't have time. They say that they need to get X amount of learning done from the content. So how do you, what does the research say about, about how that impacts kids? Not only do we have um, our research that we've been focusing on over the years, but we have, you know, decades of, of other SEL research that has been um, going on for a long time, kind of kind of proving what we're doing. Um, so to have both of those angles is really important. Um, and as you mentioned, on our website, we have we have those studies, and um, certainly we would love for people to, to take a look at those. And what we what we clearly have have learned is that teachers are overwhelmingly say how, saying how much this this works, that these foundations work, that that this model works. Um, and I guess that the challenge then does become, as you've mentioned, how do we get this into our day? And right. with all of the standards, testing, you know, everything that's going on. But I think it's crucial uh, that administrators, teachers, and counselors understand that the most effective way for social-emotional learning and character education and anti-bullying to be taught is through integration. It shouldn't be right. a specific focus, right? So there should not be one-off lessons here and there. Um, students don't learn that way, so that's not enough. So what, one of the biggest messages that I can say that we've learned from our research is the interconnectedness and the integration of what we've been able to do through our, through our framework into the um, everyday curriculum. And I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, as, in your experience as a counselor, I feel like some, a lot of teachers just assume that that's, that's on the counselor's shoulders solely. And, and uh, you know, in some ways, obviously, that is the role of the counselor, but... It, it's something that can't just be a disjointed once a week or once a quarter or once a semester, you know, workshop. It's got to be every, it has to be consistent, has to be every day almost to, to have this have an impact, I guess, right? Right. It's a team effort. I think that's the biggest uh, message in, in our professional development, in our trainings. And, and it's an eye opener for a lot of our teachers that once they start to become familiar and comfortable with the SEL and with character development, with the school climate um, languages and, and understanding just how crucial this is to student development, you you get excitement and you get this new breath. Like teachers, it's almost like a breath of fresh air that, yes, teachers know that this stuff is important, but they have been so inundated with um, standards and pressure and you know, more and more and more asking, you know, that, that they haven't been able to really focus on the whole child. And I think that we have seen um, kind of this revitalization of teachers, like, realizing that, yes, we can we can make this work in an easy uh, way and right. we can see success much, much more quickly than doing it in separate kind of um, silos. Yeah, definitely. So 
do the kids have to do role playing when they do it? Tell tell me tell me that role playing is not a part of it because I role playing made me so uncomfortable as a teacher. Do they have do they have to do that? <laughs> I'm going to let Lisa take this one. She's very good about explaining some of our activities and curriculum. I can't say that there's no role playing, okay. but that is right. not. <laughs> That is definitely not um, a main focus of ours. I think, you know, there's a little bit more role-playing, I guess, as the students get older. Right. Um, but our our focus is really we introduce each of our foundations, so we give a, a very good introduction to each one of our foundations so right. the students are getting all of that. Um, but then there's team-building lessons throughout the year that, Ooh, the, that the, the school is being asked to conduct. Um, and that is, I guess, where, you, you know, where maybe a couple of role-playing things come up, but um, it's really just about helping the, the classrooms learn how to work together, collaborate, communicate with one another, um, just understanding how all of these foundations play into that. So they understand that, you know, it's important now that they need to be able to get along with one another, but also for their futures, that you just, you need to know how to work with, with other people, especially if you don't like them or you don't always agree with them, you still need to be able to, to communicate well and collaborate um, and, and just work with other people. Let's, let's um, not give, so let's not give, that. I don't want to give role playing a hard time. Uh, no, I, no, I just, I just was not that comfortable with I, it when I, I was a well, teacher. Well, I can tell you f- f- when we did those leadership role playing thing where you had the scenarios and you had the yeah. partner A, this is partner something B, we did partner together, C, you guys, yes. Where you have like a scenario and you, and you play it out as a leader and right. a, as a teacher. Right. I, I, it's uncomfortable, it's but good, I, I learned and I continue to learn a lot from it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's when you grow, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. I got your back. That's right. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Okay. So let's zoom out for a minute. Um, SEL, I think, is starting to be recognized uh, at the at the federal and state levels across the country as essential uh, to both social emotional growth and also, I think you guys would probably argue increased achievement. Uh, doesn't the new ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, provide provisions for this type of learning for schools? Could you tell us a little more about that? Right, absolutely. You know, ESSA is aiming to prepare students to be ready for future careers, and absolutely critical. And I'll do a little little side short story. When I was starting this as a uh, as a school counselor. Uh, about a decade ago, and we were already at that point, I was making these connections between these SEL, these foundations, and and career. And at that point in time, I had teachers literally that would say, why are you doing this? (laughs) And to me, to me, it only made sense. When you're talking to kids, things have to connect for kids. So why am I learning about resiliency if you can't connect for me what that means now and what that means in the future? So as a counselor, I really saw that connection very strongly then and even more so now as we've grown and and we've done so much research. But so, you know, is aiming to prepare these students to be ready for um, their future careers. And um, the other important shift is that we're we're now seeing that they're showing that we're not only going to start this in middle and high school, we're going to bring down and we're going to start in elementary school, which is what I think is, is an obvious um, positive shift. Um, and all research will show how important it is to engage students early on. Uh, and that includes a career readiness and exploration. And then the other important piece is parent engagement. So ESSA is really focusing on, um, you know, pushing parent or pushing schools to, to uh, engage with parents and, um, what we've done, what we've been able to do through our technology is provide a parent portal where parents have the ability to learn and understand what teachers are teaching in the classroom 
uh, through teamology. And then we take that and we create language and other materials that parents can easily uh, use and implement at home. All right. So we got one last one for you. It's a big one. Um, revolves around bullying. So, Oh, that's the, the B word. It's the B word. So yes. we're, we're going to bring it up. <laughs> so certainly one of the things I've seen, and it's not as if bullying is some new phenomenon, but certainly with the advent of social media, and I like to refer to it as Lord of the Flies and just the total unchecked chat, well, I guess not chat rooms, but Snapchat and stuff like that. <laughs> the AOL chat rooms yeah. that you're talking about? Crap, you're aging yourself. Going back to o- <laughs> the AOL chat rooms. Go back to 1996 here. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so okay, go ahead. The Grandma, question, come on. Is, the question right. is: So we do all understand the concerns around bullying. Um, so, how does teamology address the problem? Um, and then further, how does it connect back to social emotional learning? Sure. So we know from research that bullying is a direct result of lack of positive peer relationships and connectedness in schools. And interestingly, we also know there's a direct um, relation to the lack of SEL and character education curriculum in schools. Um, so bullying prevention is not our sole focus, but it's certainly a natural outcome of our program. All right, you guys, this has been, this has been fantastic. I want to, um, give our listeners one more opportunity. So how, how can people find out more about teamology? How can they find you two since you're the experts? Sure. So our website, uh, team uh, is a great place to start and all of our contact information is on there. Um, and I believe, Lisa, you can uh, expand on this, but we do have a, I've never looked at detail in this, but, but if they want to get in touch with us, I think we have a, a way for them to easily do that on our website, correct? Yeah, there's a contact form on our website. If you just click on the link for contact, um, you could easily uh, reach out to us. All right, awesome. And uh, I saw that you followed us on Twitter. That oh, would make yeah. me very excited. Yeah, make sure we you did. yeah make sure you follow Peter Crable on Twitter because no, he has like no he don't has, follow him he has, don't like, follow he him. has like five and followers. Actually, that's could, a great point. Follow it. Uh, we're on Twitter where we are teamology is our handle, and we're on Facebook at teamology. Um, our schools do amazing things that they post almost every other day. Okay, that's cool. So um, it's really yeah. So definitely follow us on social media all right well we'll 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 keep mentioning you guys Lindsay covert lisa de bernardo thank you guys so much for coming on ed's not dead peter casey thank you so much you. we appreciate your time yep. all right we'll catch you guys thank we'll, you we'll catch it's up fun. with you soon take care it is the final segment of the show hey and two fan favorites, which will be dear betsy right mr sids that's right i don't know if they're fan favorites but uh, we uh, no we, i just want Something that I've done. People like Dear Betsy. Yeah. And also... Betsy said she liked it. Trivia. (laughs) Quiz show. show. All right. So what do we have for Dear Betsy for episode 10? So... Is is this a retrospective? It is. It's... We're going to look back and think about it fondly. And um, anyway, so it's been a year, about, about a year, having Betsy DeVos as the head of the Department of Education considering she's never had any kind of role in education, public education, and doesn't really care about public education, uh, and wants to kill public education. So I'm going to go with a top 10 list. There is no system. There is no system. (laughs) Top 10 list of articles, some of which we've talked about on this show, of things that Betsy DeVos has done this year uh, to kill public education, or just to weaken it a little bit chip away and and this, I, this is going to be in the show notes right oh yeah all these will okay. be in the show notes and okay. i have a top 10 list also 
You do? Yeah. You guys are going to be fighting it out. Damn. All right. All right. So go ahead. All right. Drum drum roll, Mr. Krabs. If you have any comments, you can certainly insert them. So so number 10, DeVos reverses policy on campus sexual assault investigations. Mm, Yep. Yep. So if you get... Was that... These are not in (laughs) chronological... They are not in chronological order. I just okay. picked them. I okay. randomly, you got know. Got it. Got it. I thought she just would came out of the gate with that as her first move. No, that was not her first move. Okay. All right. That, I wasn't that. I perhaps you need a review on how top ten this work. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just it just seemed. So she reversed policy on protecting people that, that were that's sexually assaulted. Aw- anyway, that, that's number awful. nine. That's awful. Civil rights protections. A department says it will scale back civil rights investigations. Okay. So now we have sexual assault and scaling back civil rights. Right. We don't need any of those, you know. Uh, Eight, school choice. What about it? Promote it. We just want choice. That's why we have historically black colleges, because they get choice. Because they get to choose. That's right. Okay. Number seven, for-profit college regulations. What do you want to know about it? We don't need them. We don't need it. They can do whatever they want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Was that the loan forgiveness segment we did? The the for-profit college industry. Yeah. uh, The rollback regulations, because it's going to cause the public pain. Oh, that was the segment we did where kids, if they get built by the for-profit, you can't can't get your money back. Mm -hmm. A fraudulent Mm -hmm. university, Mm -hmm. too bad. Uh, Well, actually, this number six is the same, very similar one. DeVos forcing scam students to repay loans yeah. for meaningless degrees. That's a new one because they're fighting back. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's a good one. Um, number five. Ooh. DeVos racks up more than a dozen visits to the schools of which state? Michigan. Nope. Uh, Wyoming. Florida. Oh, yeah. That's that's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, number four. Uh, DeVos they- has how many boats? How many boats does she have? About seven. Uh, four. Ten. She has oh, ten boats. Nice. How many helicopters? Three. Uh, she probably has an Apache because her brother was the owner of Blackwater. <laughs> Blackwater right. That's yeah. right. A gunship. She has two helicopters. Okay, very and nice. And for her yacht, as one does, what position on her yacht does she pay money for? For someone to do something for her. Oh, well, if you have a yacht, you have a crew. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, uh, she has a yacht scheduler. Oh, really? Yes. As you, I mean, obviously, you you, you all know. Casey, you've never clearly never owned a yacht. Before. That's true. I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about yachts. Yes. Okay. All right. So she has five hundred eighty million dollars in assets. All right. Number um, three something that you will never afford. Number three, the polarizing five hundred eighty million. Five hundred million in five hundred eighty million in assets. Correct. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um. So another hark back way back to October. Polarizing pick to be Betsy DeVos's right-hand man, number three. Um, he was the guy that uh, made a lot of charter schools in South Carolina. We talked about him briefly. I have no idea. I don't remember at all. I don't remember that He's trying to – anyway, you can look it up on the show notes. It's not that important because he's a moron. <laughs> anyway, Alrighty. number two, students boo Betsy DeVos as commencement speaker at historically back Black College University. Good for them. What, what university was that? That was at uh, Bethune-Cookman University. Okay. And they turned their back. There's a good video that you can watch of as she's speaking, and the dean is trying to get their attention, and it's pretty oh, funny. Oh, that should stop there. Yeah, don't even bother. It's like trying to get, you know, when you're trying to speak to the entire eighth grade class. Oh, yeah. That was that, <laughs> that, was, that <laughs> doesn't was, work. That was worse. Yeah. Okay. Um, number one. Number one. It's very timely because we're about to get a wonderful tax plan that's going to help so many Americans out. 
Uh, Republican tax plan is an early Christmas gift for the DeVos family. Oh, oh good. Yeah, they're that's gonna, nice. Yeah, they're going to get some breaks. Well, uh-huh, they can be uh-huh. they can be job creators. Yeah, they yeah. can be. Oh, uh, on a, on an aside, my home state Senator Toomey inserted an amendment that exempts schools that don't accept federal funds from being taxed on their endowments, which will directly support Betsy DeVos's family. Okay, because so the, the school that her brother went to, or someone in her family, is. I guess endows everybody. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's not well, even a verb. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Well, anyway, that's, that's number that one. Number that's one. That's number one. one. I totally missed yeah, that. Yeah. It was very anticlimactic. Should, yeah, there should have been. Well, top ten lists always are. Well, I mean, even when David Letterman did his, it was always. They weren't always knocking out of the park. But that, that yeah. was an awesome list, Mr. I appreciate it. It was good. very Debbie Downer. So yeah. I apologize again. No, it for, was good. It's like education in the news. It's very like. You better put some good sound effects like... (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to switch gears, though, and we are going to talk about... I guess these could all be viewed as positive things. Let's do it. All right. All right, so uh, we are going to look at the top 10 education events since World War II. Whoa. That's big. Okay. So, okay. Are the short answer? The way the the game is going to work is we're going to see... Who can name more of them? Okay. Okay. Let's the winner gets no. And this the is the winner has to buy the other a Christmas present. No, we no. all get medals on here, and the winner gets the coveted Ed Not Dead trophy that yes. I that I currently have. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. Good. Okay. <laughs> why are you Why are you looking that way? I didn't, Casey, know, I didn't know that there was an Ed's Not Dead trophy got, that we, I did not also wait, have. We, yeah. we lied to Casey and said everybody got one. What? Because <laughs> yeah. really, we're because like, we're Gen Xers and you're a millennial, yeah, so we had to be like we had to <laughs> we had to make you feel good. It's insulting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we didn't want to hurt your feelings. Okay, so uh, I am so lame at doing quiz shows. <laughs> oh, no. So I have to figure. I haven't really thought through this at all. <laughs> So why don't we just start... Did you get all this information from Reddit? Uh, no, I did not. Um, from Breitbart. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's name a few. Ready? Get set. All right. Go. Call one out. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I don't even know what... Now, c- call out and ev- uh, what you think might be on the top 10 list there was a... of educational events since uh, World War II. There was, wow. there was a law after the Civil Rights Act of 1964... <laughs> Uh, oh my God! Okay, you got to give me a. Uh, it was a year later. Yes, nineteen sixty-five. Yes, it's a very important, a one. very important law. I'll give, I just I'll give, can't you, think... I'll give you a hint. It just got reissued. Uh, it got been... reissued as ESSA, but it was I can't remember the. I'll give it to you. The it. Elementary and Secondary Education yes. Act, nineteen sixty-five. Mr. Crable has one point. Thank you. That's great. That's All a right. very broad question and an awful question. No, I'm going to ask. Second, terrible. no child left terrible. behind. Oh, okay, he's got two. Are you keeping score? I don't yeah, like I'm, this. Okay, I don't like this. No, he shrinks from competition. Nope. All right, Mr. Siddons, think. Get off your computer. No, I'm, Focus. I'm no. Hey, he's get out of here. Get out of here. your computer. No. Let, let him do whatever. Let him. It's okay. Fine. All right. Ready? Name another one. Since 1950. Get off your. Get off the computer. I'm, I'm not allowed to be on my computer. I have anymore. another one. I, idea. Okay. I already said IDA. No, you didn't. No. And, and you might have thought it. You while, said that you didn't remember any of them. While IDA <laughs> is critical, um, no. Okay. Um, so he just got another point, and I just got no, I, no, no. IDEA, no, it's not on my list. It's it's a big one, but oh, it's not I mean, there? it is okay. one of the biggest. But thankfully, there's someone who's being fair. <laughs> you, All right, give us a hint for another one. Um, I'll give you IDEA if you can name the public law. <laughs> 
You did this last time. I, like, I said ridiculous. it before. You guys can't remember. HR 257. Pete PC 1482 9. Now all these numbers I'm starting to forget. <laughs> oh. I can't remember. Okay, that. Title 9. Oh, Title 9. Yes. Mr. Sittens comes out of nowhere. Title. <laughs> and uh, how, next one, Title 10. Uh, no, that's not on here. Title okay. Nine becomes law. Title yes. Nine of the Education Amendments of 1972 prohi- prohibits discrimination based on gender, sex. Did I get another one? Yep. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. No. No. Uh, I, was, I was all one. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that was one. Okay. Uh, name another. Next. Wallace versus Jeffrey. <laughs> that is not on the top ten list. Okay. 1962 law outlawing prayer. What public, is the name of the law? In public education. What is the name of the law? <laughs> the law. You don't get a point for that. To outlaw prayer in public education. You don't get a. <laughs> yes, you don't get a. Yes, he does. He watch, it, what? He knows it. 1962. Four. You're so dumb. <laughs> Angle. Where's my points? Angle versus. Vital. There's no way they only have one. Angle versus Vital. That was on the tip of my tongue. Okay. So he gets a point for just for describing something that, you know, I could just say. Just generally, yes. I'm okay. gonna paint a broad brush let's like move, I always do. Let's yes. let's move ahead to the 1980s. Dumb. A nation at risk. Oh, the a nation at risk, not a country at risk, because I would never say that. Okay, a nation at risk. Yeah, Good one. and you know yep. it's, fun, it's funny. Um, Gh Dubs. Ronald Ronald Reagan gets a, a, a bad rap for a nation at risk when actually his administration really didn't have that much to do with issuing the report. Um, but it became kind of the Ronald, like party the, platform. The, the Ronald Reagan report. Okay, uh, 2010. Let's fast forward even more. Race to the top. Oh, okay. What's the score? Is he catching up? Yes, he is. Yes. Is it, it is, three, it's three, is, three? No. Okay. He four. also stole have, one of my answers. I have. You make it sound like it's all predetermined. <laughs> it's four three. <laughs> Jeez. Four it's three. almost like we like recorded this like another time or something. All right. Help me with the math. Uh, how many do we have left? Three? Uh, there should be three, yes. Okay, all right. Um, I can describe one. I'm waiting. Oh, come on. Here, the case case law, uh, Lau versus someone. Lau versus... Ooh, Mr. Craig. Ensuring uh, equal access for English language learners. Oh, that would be 1974, Lau versus Nichols. The Supreme Nichols. Court expands the rights Nichols. of students who have limited English skills, ruling that they should receive an equal education. Five to three. All right. Five to three. How about the law that prohibits <laughs> uh, paying for religious schools on public property? And no, that, what do you mean? Wallace mean, versus not, Joffrey. Wallace been, versus Joffrey. <laughs> we actually are doing that now, okay. so unfortunately. Not on the list. Yeah. Uh, right, I'll give you a hint, yeah. Mr. Sitton, since you're having I feel like I've been shortchanged. Okay. Uh, what do you have in front of you there? I have a, uh, a MacBook computer and you are connected to the, the interwebs and the internet the internet act of 2002 <laughs> it's the free and should, open internet access should i, should act I, should I give him should i give him one 2003 getting connected all american schools are deemed to have access to the interweb that's, that's pretty right. good that's right. right al gore came right, that's that. five four so there's one more yeah i'm not sure which one it is though <laughs> that's a problem uh that would be a problem uh we have brown we have brown v board right, right. yeah um, oh, we are missing a big one. Is this only from 1950 on? You have a chance to tie it up here. All right, this is it. I will give you a hint, and I'm going to be. I'm no, going to be no mercy, Casey. I'm going to be. I don't like this game. I'm going to be very judicious about how many hits I give you. Hints I give you. It's in the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, okay, we need more than that. <laughs> 1950s. Colgate. You got Brown v. Board. 
1954. It's at the end of the 50s. Oh, boy. Um, the, the Cuban de, Missile Crisis. De facto, de jure desegregation. Oh, nope. We need more. We're, we're grasping. It's a huge one. <laughs> huge. It's, it's huge. huge. I'll give you a hint. Had a tremendous impact on math and science curriculum development and instruction. Race to the top with John Glenn. <laughs> you're, I mean, 1959. Because the NASA space program. You're, you're getting warmer. Yeah, because it wanted to fight Sputnik and fight the yeah, Russians. Yeah, you got it. The Sputnik. Sputnik, Sputnik 1957. What? Soviets make history launching the Sputnik satellite. Well, in uh, true millennial fashion, this results in everybody f- wins. Oh, well, hold on. This results in funding <laughs> of more than one billion to revamp. <laughs> to give us Austin Powers, <laughs> one <laughs> billion <laughs> uh, to revamp science and math curriculum in public schools. Okay, so what's the final score? That's pretty lame. <laughs> it was five five. Okay. Yes. I, no. I, right. That's good. Let's let's end so it there. Here now. Yes. Here is the tiebreaker. No, let's end here's it. Here's the tiebreaker. Come on. He does not want to lose. Just tie. <laughs> tiebreaker. Ties good. Ties are good. Okay. From ties are good. We're gonna go all the way back. Let's do the. Um, let's do the eighteen hundreds to nineteen fifty. Plessy versus Ferguson. Crable's the winner. <laughs> <laughs> 1896. You're feeding. You're feeding that. That's ridiculous. 18, I need another one. Another one. You can't do that. I was. A, I was you started. The game was about 1950 to present. <laughs> okay. And then you go ahead and you pull a Roy Moore. Well, we had to break the tie. I was. A, I was garbage. a history major, so I win. There will be no recount. <laughs> I was a history major. Uh, the mantra separate. I'm but not equal. conceding defeat ever. Okay. So. Can I just tell a little bit about can, it? Can I finish? Okay. It, it, is, right. it is a good law. Should I? Should I get? Should I? It's a terrible. Well, to, to know about it. Yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. I said good luck. I was like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. All right, it, it basically uh, supported Jim Crow. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you want another shot at it? You know what? At this point, I'm just so dejected. You know what? I, whatever you want to do. You said it was going to be judicious, and I was hosed. Okay. All right. So the winner is Mr. Crable. He gets the Ed's Not Dead trophy. Which is already in my possession. Thank yeah. you. Thank um, you. Mr. Sims, we will, you'll get another crack. We know the performance anxiety got you. Yeah, that was great. Spay and neuter your pets. Okay. All right. Anyway. Um, all right, folks. want to take this opportunity on behalf of Peter and Casey and myself to thank you for tuning in. During our first season, to Ed's Not Dead, all 10 episodes. Tell your friends about us. Share the word about Ed's Not Dead. You can reach us at Ed's Not Dead PC, at C.H. Siddons, at Peter Crable, at R.W. Dodd. And when are we going to be back on the air, Mr. Crabes? It's going to be either January 23rd or February 5th. Okay. And are you going to tease some stuff for us? I'm going to tease a couple things. Okay. We're going to, you know, anytime you take a break, you better come back bigger and better. Of course. Yeah. So we are going to be um, providing video content. Whoa. Now by video content, I mean it's literally going to be us sitting here talking. Okay, that's going to be cool. <laughs> yes, but there is high demand out there for that. We, what else are we going to be doing? I guess. <laughs> Trust me, I listen to the okay. people. Casey's um, going to make some Ed's Not Dead stickers. Yep, we're going to have some some pretty sweet stickers. Right. Um, I think we're going to be doing some blog posts. That's right. Yep. There's going to be some writing components involved. Yep. Um, lots of great new guests, new discussions. Um, I think that's 
pretty much summarizes it. All right, so episode 11 in late January. Uh, I Maybe wanna... an interview with Barack Obama, former president, Barack Obama. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Just yep. saying. Cool. Might. You might. We might. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. Sure. Uh, has Pod, Pod Saves America had him on, I wonder? I think early on, very early on. So he's ready for another. I don't know if they have guests. I think they just cuss a lot. They do cuss a lot. It is is free. And we'd like to point out as educators, we do not cuss. We do not. In fact, I put it as clean. And if we cussed, you would never know because Mr. Crabe. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. Big thanks to Michael Levin Epstein and Sue Semplis for their production of Education Excellence. A special thank you to Lindsay Covert and Lisa DiBernardo from Teamology. That was a great interview. What awesome. fellows? Very they were, good. They were great. Um, and once again, make sure that you spread the word about Ed's Not Dead. We look forward to talking to you in 2018. Happy holidays, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.